We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Carlo Navas. And with me today, friend of the show, one of the greatest Canadians I've ever met, an authority on the Cleveland Cavs, and the host of the Chase Down Podcast, Justin Rowan, joins us today. How are you, my friend? I am great, man. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, love what you guys do, uh, the whole Heapy crew. Honestly, the Heat coverage in general is elite. It is S-tier stuff, and it's great to be back here on the pod. I love our community, although we've been whiny, Justin. It's been a whiny year. Fan, The fans... Well, I've noticed. Other I've pods... Noticed. Your, your, your Heat Twitter is insane, man. It is insane. Like, I see Bam slander, and Bam is having a phenomenal year. I tweeted during the last Cavs Heat game that Miami is asking entirely too much of Bam, and I got attacked by Heat Twitter saying that I need to hold him accountable. I'm like, that <laughs> what what are you talking about? Dude, it's crazy. Some people think Bam's doing too much. Some people th- think Bam's doing too little. Some people think uh Jimmy Pat's asleep at the wheel. Some people think Jimmy's asleep at the wheel. <laughs> you know? Everybody no one's happy. You know, just I don't know how much you follow European uh football, but like I, I compared it yesterday. Liverpool is having a disaster season. And they're having the season that he fans think they're having. <laughs> I'm going to politely nod because I, I don't. You just, I did. <laughs> but you know what? I'm I'm going to be supportive of you and what whatever takes you have because I, I know they're they're well informed unless it's about Kyle Lowry. They're usually bad. Listen, I love Kyle. Even I could say Kyle's been not good this season. Yeah. And and yeah. and uh, as Canada's finest, as you know, he's beloved. Well, I guess in some cities, he loved everywhere. Because no. I know that Toronto's not like the whole country's team. No, it really is not. Um, and you guys have probably interacted with Raptors Twitter enough to, to know why it's not Canada's team. So it's it's the same effect to the rest of the country. Although the, the We the North years definitely kind of helped uh, build it back up. But at the end of the day, nah, nah not, not for me. No, it's just not. Well, we're not here to talk about the Raptors. We're here to talk about a former, I guess, Timberwolf and 
Cleveland Cavalier, Kevin Love, coming to the heat on the buyout market. Uh, as uh, There's been a lot of reporting done. Brian Goins has capped, done his uh, cap numbers and all that. Looks like uh, a biannual exception or around that figure for Kevin Love joining the heat. Justin, what, you know, we're going to get to a lot today on what he fans should expect from him because I feel like everybody's watched him. We've watched him on the biggest stage for years. So I don't think anyone's unfamiliar with his game. I think we know what he's good at. I think we know what he brings to the table. But I think what we want to know is at this point in his career, what should we expect? So let's start on offense. So he has some sort of hand thing that he says is better, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. And I think, and I just want to know, like, how much shooting should we expect from him? He was a six-man-of-the-year candidate last year, was probably the runner-up uh, to, to Tyler Hero. Some, like Nikias said he deserved it. So, like, yeah. you know, what what could we expect from him shooting, like, from the corners, out of pick and pop? Like, what is reasonable to ask from him at this point? Yeah, well, for, first of all, he was the rightful six man of the year because Tyler Hero <laughs> led the Heat in minutes. That, that, that was uh, that was a phony did he? Uh, award. I, I believe he did actually lead the Heat in minutes, <laughs> which was a big part of my many grievances with award season uh, going back to rookie of the year. Um, what to expect with Kevin Love? That's tricky. So it all went off the rails this season when he broke his thumb on his shooting hand, which is not ideal. Um, he was told that he could not do further damage uh, playing through it and decided to play through it. And I, it was reported at the time that it was expected to heal kind of by the end of December. Um, he was still experiencing some discomfort with it after the, the bone had healed. And the shooting just fell off the map. Like it, it just it was not hitting any of his shots. Um, they were in a position where they really had to rely on him because you look at the top three teams in the league and player games missed this year, it's Miami, Orlando, and Cleveland. Uh, we're, we're back in that situation, right? Like, we're, we're a friendly company there. Um, but if Kevin Love's hand is healed and he is able to shoot it like he was earlier in the season, I do think that he's going to be able to, to help out Miami a fair bit. Um, there's always concerns about the, the back and, and other issues with him. Uh, the mobility, I, I think, has taken a bit of a step back this year. Um, but if the hands healed, I honestly think with, with his smarts, his ability to be a playmaker, and the shooting that he normally provides, I think he is going to help Miami a fair bit. So, like, Justin, like, my thing with guys sometimes is, I know he hasn't played a ton this season, which I think is good because I think they need somebody with fresh-ish legs. Not that he, he's an older guy, not that they're, like, fresh-fresh, but, you know, fresh-ish, like Deadman gave them a couple seasons ago, kind of come in after not playing too much. Um, but I just think that he's going to have a very defined role, right? He's going to screen a ton for guards and they're going to add kind of a pick and pop element that they haven't really had since Myers Leonard, because as I talked about with, with Tucker last pod, he wasn't really a pick and pop guy. You know, he'd pick and pop and nobody would guard him and uh, nobody would pass it to him. He's really like a corner man or whatever. And I think that he'll have a role in, in kind of doing participating in dribble handoffs as a big with Max Struess, which I know that he can, as a passer, I mean, he's just really good at kind of hitting those same angles that Bam does off cutters and off that motion. And I think if you just kind of relegate him to that role, it's like, hey, Kevin, we don't need you to, like, do a ton. We don't even really need you to rebound too much because, like, they're a pretty solid defensive rebounding team. Like, don't break your body doing that. But, hey, can, can you provide some screening, some shooting, you know, mixing a role here or there? I think <laughs> that that's, like, a reasonable and, – and, like, can you get to 38% on, like – three or four attempts. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. 
I, I, I think that that's perfectly fair to expect. I mean, having him in a defined role was a big part of why the Cavs had success with him and, and why he was uh, in the six man of the year conversation because they kept the minutes at about 18 per game. Um, you had good defensive infrastructure around him. He was usually playing with one of Evan Mobley or Jared Allen, which was a luxury that the Cavs had. And the only games he missed last season were due to COVID. He did not have an, a single game missed due to injury last year. And uh, the, the timing of the broken thumb was brutal uh, for the Cavs. I mean, it came at a time where Dean Wade was already uh, taken out uh, as a result of playing the Raptors. That happens. You you you, you end up hurt in, after those games. Uh, Darius Garland had a sprained thumb on, on his shooting hand. Uh, they, they, there was injuries all up and down the lineup. So they really did need him to play. And, and it just... It's so unfortunate that it got to where it did, but looking at Miami, I think he can replicate a little bit of what they even had last year, right? With those Bam Yurt minutes where you did have two bigs that could provide some playmaking, right? Like, I don't know. They didn't know play those Kevin... a ton though. Like it was a very, it was a very like short lived uh, dream for some on Heat Twitter. And, and for me with, with Yurt on my fantasy team, but. Uh... <laughs> Why? How, how many, how many teams are in your league? deep it was deep uh, it, it's Dude, a dynasty league. Like... I, I was, you know it, it was a great short-term play uh for for the time it happened and then playing him when bam was out too but even if you're talking about lineup continuity right where maybe it's not necessarily with bam um but you have a big man in the front court that can act as a bit of a hub and open up opportunities for other guys and, and give you some lineup uh consistency and continuity i think that there's a real value in that and Honestly, if I'm I'm looking at it from a Miami perspective, I'm probably bringing him in off the bench. Interesting, because um, that's been the big discourse the last week. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe you, it changes up as the season progresses, and, and maybe you close with him. Um, but I, I would try to stagger him and Tyler Hero as much as I could. Like, that, that would be something that I would try to prioritize if I'm Miami, uh, just because I, I think Miami does have the defensive infrastructure necessary to make it work. But you don't want those two on the court at the same time. Like, I, I think that's asking a little bit too much of everybody else around them, even though it's not like Hero is a Trey Young type defender. It just it gets a little bit away from Miami's identity. That's interesting. And and that's not something I've heard too much, uh, Justin, in the discussions, because I, I think the conventional wisdom with that is, well, Caleb... Caleb and Jimmy are really your three and four, right? And right. Jimmy's the one that's guarding up. I think that there's like this misconception with Heat fans are like, Caleb's the four. Jimmy's the four. Jimmy's the four, <laughs> and, and and Caleb still guards guards. And they had that luxury because Kyle will guard wings, right? Kyle guards Middleton. Kyle guards Jalen Brown like or Tatum sometimes. Like Kyle guards up because that's what he's good at. He's not good at fast. He's not good at De'Aaron Fox. He's better at Jalen Brown. That's just That's just what it is. And they would have kind of Jimmy guarding wings. And I think you want Jimmy kind of back off those bigger wings so he could be in more help positions where they're not running like him through screw, like not in pick and roll and stuff, but he can kind of help at the nail, kind of help kind of, you know, stunt drive, stuff like that. So, but yeah, I, I guess you bring up a good point in that. I just feel like, you know, you bring Love and Zeller in and now you have like, well, now you're bringing Love and Zeller off the bench. It's just kind of, not that Zeller is a bad defender or anything, but it's just kind of like it's it, it's weird in conjunction with the Zeller move. No, no, for sure. And uh, I, I just, I, I think the the Martin Jimmy kind of front court with Bam, like I, I do think that that works. They're good, and, by the way. They're like plus seven or plus nine or something per hundred possessions. 
Right. And, and you, you look at even the lineup data for Kevin Love on the year. He did get picked on a fair bit defensively, like he is going to get targeted. But that's just because you have a defensive liability on the court doesn't mean you're automatically going to give up a ton of points, right? Like, it's not like the other team walks down the court and says, hey, you're a liability. We are granted uh, one, one and a half points uh, per hundred possessions or whatever. Um, like, that, that's just not the way that this works. Or same thing with, like, size mismatches, right? Like, I, I think we get a little too obsessed with that. And you look at the D rating with Kevin Love on the court for the year, and it was 112. Solid. And, Solid. Yeah, Good. like, that's fine. It, it's not that far off from Miami's for the year, right? Yeah. Um, it, I don't think Miami necessarily has the same level of defensive infrastructure, or at least defensive depth uh, that the Cavs have. No, uh, no. I mean, Cleveland's the best defense in the, in the league this year. I think maybe last year we'd have a different like, conversation. I mean, this year they're hemorrhaging size, and, and really they're – I don't know if you saw the stat, Justin. If you take – Miami forces a ton of turnovers, and that's like really kind of what they've designed this this year's defense on because it wasn't that way last year. They don't yeah. foul a lot, which is such a departure from Spo teams, and they force a lot of turnovers. And there was uh, Cooper Moorhead, great guy covering the Heat for, for Heat.com and, and for the NBA. Mm-hmm. That was great work. He's f- terrific. And he, he put a stat that's like if you discount the possessions that the Heat force a turnover, they have like the 28th worst defense in the league. Ooh. And it's like, you know. That's kind of what kind of to what your point like. It's just that Cleveland is incredible. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Miami, it's a little bit of a spo job there. Like you know, a little spo magic. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Making that work. It's full magic. And in my opinion, Bam is first team all defense. Yeah. And, like, J- and I, Jimmy's I, no slot. I mean, I, not yeah, that J- this is Jimmy's, Jimmy's best defensive sure. season, but, you know, that guy on any given night. But Bam is Bam's Bam. Yeah, I'm tr- trust me. I'm, I'm one of the biggest Bam fans out there, right? Like, I probably have him first team over Allen and Mobley this year. But uh, when you're talking about what you can do as a collective, and especially now that you see it, like, the Cavs with Isaac Okoro in the starting lineup, like that is three very high level defenders that make Long. up for, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of length. And even like Darius Garland has got to the point the last two seasons where he's just playing. He's good competing, man. Teams. He's, he, he's playing really hard on that end in a way that I didn't think a guard his size was going to survive like that. And he's been it's kind of like Steph, to be honest with you, how like Steph made it a point comparison. that I'm not going to be the reason why we, why, why we get fucked. Right, and you're going to have instances where, let's say they do end up giving up a switch and he's got a bigger guy on him, but he's going to play good positional defense. He's not going to fall asleep when he's off ball. Uh, He gets a lot of steals. He's very active. 
uh, even gets the dumb ter- uh, fouls that, that Steph gets when, when you're kind of gambling. But just plays good, solid positional defense, and, and Donovan Mitchell stepped it up too. So it's a big part uh, of why they've managed to have the best defense this year. But, I mean, Kevin Love, I, I think people do kind of discount defensive rebounding, right, as a, a component of defense. If if the, the help defense is there and you're not allowing breakdowns at the point of attack, you're not going to, like hemorrhage points because you have one core front court defender like that's that's just not how it works like we don't talk about defense as a collective often enough so um i think you you might see it a little bit more in the playoffs we'll see how healthy is and obviously if the shooting's not there and he's still struggling with that his effectiveness overall just kind of goes in the tank but at the same time i i do think if the shooting at least returns to normal that there's enough there with Kevin Love that I like I was expecting him to be helpful for the Cavs down the stretch. So I'm not going to change my opinion just because he was bought out and ended up on Miami. So I, I like what uh what Havasu Falls uh asked in chat because you mentioned the defensive rebounding. He's like, how good is he at offensive rebounding? Because that is a Miami's like 15th or 16th in defensive rebounding on the year, which is like good enough. But yeah. you know, offensive rebounding, they're one of the worst teams. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a particular strength for him. Like, he will get the tippins around the rim. Uh, th- that was one of the things that uh, the effectiveness of that kind of <laughs> went out the window uh, when he was dealing with the, the thumb injury. Um, but, he, you know, he's a really smart positional uh, rebounder, right? Like, And that translates offense and defense. If, if you fall asleep on him, he will get position. He will get kind of those tip-in opportunities. Um, I don't think he's going to necessarily generate those Ignite. the way that he, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think he's going to generate those the way that he did when he was younger, where it's like, uh, it's a 40, 60 ball where they should be getting this, but I'm just going to put my body into them and, and brush them aside and, and, and get that rebound. But, um, you know, slimmed he, out over his, over the, this career. Yeah, he, he did slim down, but I, I don't think that had as much of an impact. Um, I, I think it's more the lack of just the lateral quickness that doesn't just translate to defense. It also is going to translate to when you're trying to execute a box out, whether that's on offense or defense, trying to fight for positioning, um, not necessarily having that same lower body mobility and strength is going to have a little bit of an impact, but I, I definitely think he, he can help on the boards uh, for Miami. So want to make a quick correction. So they're fifth in defensive rebounding. They're 15th Ooh. in, in total rebounding. So they're a good defensive rebounding team. Uh, which is again credit to Spo and all the dumbass shit he does because they're playing with two they're playing with two small forwards and a center and credit to Bam credit to Jimmy Caleb all those guys they don't have a power forward on now they do but they didn't before so credit yeah. to them for patchworking that let's talk about love I want one one more question on offense and then we'll get to defense so Miami has not had a stable corner shooter this year mm-hmm. and I think that that's kind of one pillar of their offense. I mean, their offense is, you know, stinky-winky, sucks ass. But I think whenever their offenses have been either good to, to decent in this Jimmy era, they have kind of that corner presence that they need, whether it's to set a hammer screen for a relocating shooter, whether it's to just be there to kind of provide Jimmy an out off a help that will come. They want the help to come from the corners because it's an easy one pass. It's an easy pass for Jimmy. He's not LeBron, right? He's not doing crossbody fucking flip. Up. You know, he's not making <laughs> those complicated reads. Like they need, they need these things simplified for Kyle as well at his age and for Bam Prolip. So I think that having a guy in the corner is really good. They just don't have that guy this year. It was PJ last year who was really, really good until he got hurt in the playoffs. 
Um, it was Jay Crowder the year that they made the finals, and Jay was really good from the wings as well. But what? How? How does Kevin play into that? Is, are those? Is that a space on the floor that he finds well, or is he just more of like an above the break kind of shoot off the screen type of guy? Yeah, I, I mean it's kind of come in ways, right? Like obviously with LeBron and Kyrie him being in the corner was a big topic of discussion, right? Because that's kind of where he was parked a lot of the time. And I think as time's gone on, um, he's learned how to be effective in other situations, right? Like I think Miami, I, I can see a lot of split cuts and those type of actions with Kevin yeah. Love. And and he he's so smart and his relocation is so good that playing with the basketball IQ he's going to have with him on, on Miami, I, I think he's going to be able to generate those opportunities in the corner and uh, is going to create opportunities for other shooters, right? Like uh, what one of kind of his go-to moves that I, I guarantee you guys will we'll see at some point over the next 20 games is um, some sort of split cut action. The ball swings to him. He pump fakes, guy goes flying right by him and he just kind of does a little escape dribble to, to hit a shot, right? Like that's, that's go-to stuff, bread and butter stuff for Kevin Love. So uh, if they're generating open looks for him in the corner, I, I would expect if he's healthy and if the back's not an issue and if the hand's not an issue, I'd expect him to knock that down. So Miami's kind of done. It's it's interesting because they kind of moved away from the corner stuff when PJ started to kind of flounder as a shooter there. And they started to run like their, their empty corner sets where they have like, you know, PJ will screen for a guy to relocate out of the corner. And then they'll kind of raise kind of the, you know, to use a soccer term, like, you know, the, the you know, to, ra to raise the back line, right, to press so that Bam rolls and there's no help or Jimmy rolls and there's no help. They haven't done that too much this year. And I wonder if, if Love can help provide for that. I, I don't know. I'm, Justin, I'm just really intrigued by him. They just haven't. He's so skilled. As a passer, you know, you need passing bigs to run that stuff. They can run high-low stuff with him and Bam. If they're going to bring him off the bench like you think, you know, I wonder where he's going to be on the floor with Zeller because Zeller is a non-shooter. So Miami has this, they, they really like, they walk a fine line because Jimmy's a non-shooter and Bam's a non-shooter. And, you do, know, do you get, do you really think Zeller is going to be like a mainstay in the rotation? Like how deep is, how, how many men are, is Spoke going to go with? Like, so it, are you seeing eight or nine? Okay. So like, I mean, we, we can, I mean, we can, we can go through let's them. This out. Let's, let's do this because their backup five situation, Justin has been a nightmare. Are you aware that Dwayne Dedman is the worst player in the NBA? <laughs> do you, are you aware of that? I've, I've, you know, it, it came up because uh, the Cavs fans are, are very obsessed with, with having another center uh, for Everybody whatever reason. Is. Every fan base is. Very concerned about it. Don't like this uh, one of Jared Allen or Evan Mobley at all times and Robin Lopez and uh, Diakite as, as backups. So when uh, Deadman uh, hit the buyout market, uh, there was some clamoring from him. Like, trust me, uh, Mamadi Diakite is probably better than him at this point. And honestly, I'd probably say the same thing for about Serge Ibaka. I think he's he's pretty toast. Yeah, I, but, want, I but, wanted Serge. I wanted Serge. <laughs> I talk like, myself into surge with this because of those like the shooting skill set. I don't know, man. I have fond memories of 2019. <laughs> no, don't. Oh God, 2019. I mean, uh, unless everyone's getting hurt, uh, I don't think there's any way that you can replicate 2019. That being said, uh, I, I just felt Sorry, like Mon. I, I, I was familiar with how bad Miami's front court depth was because really, like. Uh, as you said, like Jimmy's playing there, um, but I'm not really going to count him as like, you know, a four or five. He's just playing out of position, helping out there. <laughs> the, 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 it, it's so funny because I, I think everyone 
like everyone understands team building just on a conceptual level, right? Like you, you know what you want to have at every single position, but realistically, when you're talking about team building in the NBA, it's making do with the talent, the best talent that's available to you, right? Like you're going to try to get the best talent that you can and find ways to make it work for the Cavs. They have a bit of a hole at the three spot, right? Like Isaac Okoro is probably not starting for most playoff teams. Kevin Love's not going to be on the in the discussion for starting on any playoff team other than Miami because they have so much depth at other positions, right? Like every team makes these concessions in team building. So I, I think it was a unique situation where he could come in and he had a them. role here that right. he didn't in Philly. Although I suspect that the Philly talks were to avoid tampering because that just made no sense. But I want to give you this Deadman sack because it is funny. Um, as a whole, the Heat are 18th in net rating plus 0.1. Without Deadman, the Heat jump into the top 10 in the whole league. <laughs> That's tough. They are legit a top 10 team when that dude is just not here. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a lot of the uh, Lamar Stevens uh, oh, lineup stats for the Cavs this year. <laughs> yeah, which, which was tough because Lamar started, and the time that he was starting, they would win all those games, but the starting lineup uh, was a net negative, and it was one of those things where it's like, do you mess with the rotation? Classic uh, New York taking them out of it? Yeah, it's, it was just one of those things, but uh, they're in a much better position now with uh, Isaac Okoro kind of coming into his own. So let, let's 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 do this little thought experiment real quick about Miami's players, right? So you got, you know, Lowry and, and Vincent, who are, you know, really your two your real two point guards, right? You got Hero, Oladipo, who are, are ne- your next two guards. So we're at four players. You mm. got Butler at f- five, Struess at six, Caleb. Oh, we already said Caleb. So we're at six, Bam at seven. So those are like your seven guys that are playing for sure. Yeah. Now we're like love at eight, love at eight. And then now we have a question about Highsmith, Duncan Robinson and Zeller. And my thing is, is, you know, is love going to play backup five? Because I've seen people say like that guy can't play backup five anymore. So you're shaking your head. So we've named one center, which is bam. And it has to be Zeller. Like, cause you know, Orlando Robinson, while they can't still convert him. So Yurt has been hurt. All year. I mean, Alf have... is going to strangle you. It's got to be Duncan Robinson, right? Listen, Alf, Alf is. It's funny because Duncan Threes has Duncan Robinson listed as power forward. Alf really won. <laughs> he really did. Alf, he did. Alf won. <laughs> the, the agenda was a complete success. He has a bet with our, one of our co hosts, Kenny Spence, uh, that Kevin Love is going to start on Friday. And the loser, I believe, has to take a shot every Twitch sub. Oh, I like that. So, but it, like judging from what you said and judging from some quotes today, sounds like Alpha is going to be one drunk asshole on Friday against the well, I mean, that was going to happen one way or another. <laughs> now there's a purpose that he can assign to it. Uh, we, have, we have a Carter Shade in chat saying, look at this damn fool on the right. I don't respect this man. I, I know. You know what's funny, Carter? I, I asked Justin before the show, and I said, do I introduce you as host or the co-host of uh, of the Chase Down? Because <laughs> I don't want Carter to hate me. And then Justin said, fuck that guy. <laughs> yep. Uh, That's Carter. a direct quote. Carter Shade, friend of the show. We love you, Carter. So, yeah. So, I mean, really, we're at, we're at like 10, 11 guys, and, I just, I, and we just went through this. Like, they need, they need, they need Zeller. Because, like, I, I don't really think Yurt's going to give them anything this year. And at least Zeller can switch. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. sneaky athletic. I'm, actually, sneaky athletic though. Yeah, he actually is. Uh, I, actually, I, I, I don't hate the pickup for you guys. Like, I, I think again, if he's healthy, which seems to be like the Miami Heat motto, is <laughs> the Miami if they're healthy. Uh, but if he's healthy, I, I think that he he could definitely be helpful. So you, so you do not feel confident about Love playing the five at all. No. And is no, that no. just because he's just a huge target in pick and roll? Um. God, I, it's. I mean, that's a big part of it. Like I said, the the mobility has kind of gone downhill. Uh, if you have enough point of attack defenders around him, maybe you can get away with it in spurts. Um, I just, I I just have a hard time seeing that really being a viable lineup, but especially with how pick and roll heavy, like, and, and just how pick heavy the league is. Period. Like, it, it's not nobody's running like naked pick and roll uh, the, these days, but like second or third action within a a half court set at some point you're going to give up a a rim opportunity if if he's your five i just wonder if they can get away with like a lowry oladipo butler struce love lineup or something or like butler highsmith lowry vincent you know or, I guess I guess my question would be like how how many minutes do you foresee him playing and because if the answer 20. is yeah if the answer is twenty is the best use when you're trying to make a forty eight minute rotation is the best use of those twenty minutes like five minutes with him at center or would you be better off really kind of maximizing what he can bring in some of those spacing deficient lineups and just having Cody anchor those, those like the, the five minutes where you, you want to have someone else at center. Like um, I, I just don't know if the best use of his time uh, and the best utilization of the available players is playing him at the five. They just, just their offense is so bad. They just need something. And I'm just wondering if like, man, can we throw him at the five and, and get like real, like, him at the five with Butler, right? Because you're, you're eliminating the band factor at this point. And we just go as five out as possible for what, like th- for those five minutes, right? Can, can we get five minutes where Bam could sit and we can score a ton of points? Now, maybe Zeller's really good and maybe they don't have a problem. Because, I mean, I- I've noticed this, Justin. Like, Embiid has this problem. Like, these really good centers have this issue where, like, they can't fucking leave. Right, like Bam can't leave, or else <laughs> yeah. the whole fucking operation falls apart. And Bead can't leave because whatever the parade of washed-up centers that Maury brings in, you know, none of them work. So I, I can't, I can't relate. <laughs> yeah, you're the opposite. You have yeah. a litany of of bigs and wings. What's that like? Uh, it, it's very weird to to see a defense first version of the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> So yeah, just like I don't know, like I, I, I'm like, can can they get five minutes of good offense and like you bolster it by like, okay, like Oladipo, really good, you know, and maybe Oladipo might not be the solution because like he's like another non-shooter, but you know, maybe a Vincent Lowry Butler, you know, plus other wing, either Highsmith or or Martin. Yeah, I, is that viable? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, I know that it's not fair to ask that of Kevin, but it isn't the. I mean, there's two months left of the regular season. Is isn't that what? It, like maybe you screw around one night in Charlotte or, or something like that. Like, let, let's see if this can work or um, that seems like you, a bad team to try it against. <laughs> I, I was actually was about to say maybe not a, <laughs> that a seems bad like, team. like them and the Kings be like the teams oh, yeah, I would you never just lost to Charlotte too. Right. Re- recently. Did we, uh, I don't know, man, I can't keep track I, of bad losses. I, I think so. I, I think that was one of the bad losses, but uh, maybe you play Houston, right? Uh, a team that just has no, no idea. Knicks. We lost against the Knicks. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe you trot that out against Houston if you play them. Oh, more, we did or... against Charlotte. Chats reminded me. Of. And there you go. I, I, I see. I've been it I've been scoreboard watching bro. for a while. Justin, I've been standing watching for a while, buddy. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of made up my so I I was of the opinion of this team. I'm like, well, let's see what they do at the deadline. I think that you know, obviously they were really good last year. They lost one piece and a bunch of guys regressed. But can you know Lowry obviously like playing hurt and doesn't like look the same. Like can they like can they make like a couple like fringe moves and like put everything back into order where like I think that they look competitive again. And they had started to put shit together, right? Vincent got healthy. All their guys, like a bunch of their guys started to getting healthy again. And they put up a, like a really nice stretch of ball where they beat like a couple quality teams. And they went into Dallas. It was like a Friday game in Dallas. At Dallas. And I said, you know what? A good team fucking wins this game. Because you're on a roll. You finally picked up momentum. You're going into a good, not great team at home with a really good fucking player. And you should be motivated because that's like an MVP candidate. And Justin, they it was an ESPN game. They fucking went in there and they laid the biggest fucking goose egg. They got blown out by like 30. It was fucking embarrassing. And I'm like, this fucking team's unserious. And like maybe <laughs> And like, I don't know, man. Like, I think good teams win that game. Like, and then they go into Cleveland, one of the best home teams in the league, a defensive juggernaut for this fucking team that can't score. And they go in and Jimmy griffs his way. And they win that game like barely after yeah. after an embarrassing start. But then uh, on the other side of that coin, that's a game where where Cavs fans are, are ready to to give up on the season, right? Like we, we someone needs to be held accountable of this. We lost to Miami. Did this you say like, we lost to a bad team? No, but it, it was you know, like it was. We need to get a, a statement win here, right? Like this is a team that we should beat. That yeah. we should be better than. Like um, all the players said, hey, like disappointed. Like from my perspective, after that game, I was saying this was a game that I was kind of hoping that Donovan Mitchell would be. Hey, this is. You know, this is a big game, big moment. I'm going to step up at this time. And it seemed like he was the one kind of most rushed in that lineup, right? Like Darius Garland looked more composed than he did. And uh, the Cavs, you know, they, they were hard on themselves after that game. And then they went on a seven-game winning streak after that, right? Miami but, was so close to catching them. And then both teams went the opposite directions. And I was like, boy, Cleveland's far away. <laughs> Yeah, right. Which normally uh, you you don't see a, a veteran like Kevin Love get bought out from a four seed and join a seven seed, right? Why like did that? Usually... Why did he get bought out, Justin? Is it just like because to me, I was like, I understand what he did for the organization, and I and I know that he's like one of your favorite Cavs, if not your favorite Cav. I know that he's like beloved by the fan base, so I understand like wanting to do right by a guy who's done everything for you when there's not like a role for you, but also like. He came, you know, I don't, listen, we think we all know what the Heat are, but like, they're kind of the boogeyman in the East. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they let him go to the boogeyman in the East. And there were the reports of like, well, you shouldn't go to Miami. And everyone kind of shit on Cleveland. And I was like, I respect that. Why are you going to let a, a player that is good or that at least is getting healthy to go to your biggest rival at their biggest position in need? I'd be like, yeah. Kevin, we gave you a fat ass fucking contract. I'm sorry. You may just have to sit there and earn your money. Like, I, I'm sorry. And they did it, but they bought him out. Was that just like a, hey, franchise legend, we love you. We want to do right by you? Or what was going on there? Well, I mean, first, let's point out um, that was some bad aggregation. It was like aggregation of aggregation. That My favorite, like, bro. They're, NBA they're Central, let, baby. They're not letting them go to the uh, to Miami. Uh, NBA Central aggregating Sam Amico, thinking that's <laughs> Sam Amick. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> just... It's like an inception uh, but, of Sam's. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I think it was Windhorse saying, like, this is a uh, thing that teams have done, right? Like, so I could see them doing this. Uh, but ultimately, obviously, that wasn't the case because he was bought out. And I, I think from Kevin Love's perspective, uh, Kobe and JB both said, we can see him playing a role at some point in the future, but he's not part of the regular rotation. And for Kevin Love, who's looking to get another contract, um, and, and obviously he's a prideful player, he's a future Hall of Famer, um, he didn't want to be Howell Meadow. I don't want to be someone that's in this rotation as a luxury or in this roster as a luxury and only playing if there is an injury, right? So from a Cavs perspective, their philosophy and their team culture is we want guys that want to be here. And uh, Chris Fedor, uh, I believe today, did report that they did shop him at the deadline and there just wasn't an option that was available or that felt worthwhile. That's crazy because like Crowder went for five second round picks and that dude's not good. Right, but you're you're probably looking at matching salary, right? So if, if you take That's back true. thirty million uh, when Darius Garland's contract extension kicks in next year, you lose your mid-level exception, so you lose some flexibility there. It's probably harder uh, to re-sign Karis LeVert or, or sign him to an extension. Like you lose a lot of flexibility if you are swapping him for someone. And I mean, you look at what players went for like it, it might not have been that maybe teams want an asset in addition to that right e even though he is an expiring contract so uh th there wasn't an option available but the cast philosophy has been we want people that want to be here and kevin didn't want to be here and um rather than go the ugly route of hey we don't want you going to an eastern conference rival so you stay home like that's not going to fly in the locker room that, like that's yeah. that's a well-respected guy and uh well while it's disappointing it's you know, it just, it's, it's a no win situation for the Cavs. Like there's no situation where buying out Kevin Love is a legitimate plus for this season, but he was already out of the rotation, right? Like if they stay healthy, there's not really going to be a loss there. And um, yeah, it's just, it sucks, but it, it just seems like it was probably the right way to go. Listen, respect for them to for doing the right thing by by a franchise legend, right? Like I think that's what plus plus there's a pipeline, right? Like the Cavs keep giving guys that help Miami develop a culture, right? Like LeBron comes and brings that Cavs culture. Yeah, uh, Cavs lifer Dwayne Wade comes to Don't Miami. Don't forget Drunas Ilgowskis gives you guys an infusion of, of culture. Now Kevin Love can bring some of this Cavs culture. So you know it's just that steady stream, a little feeder stream, LeBron? which there's always. LeBron really just brought his homie here. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just like a big ball white guy. He's coming with me. We we talk about the uh, Ilgowskis in Miami season similar to you guys probably talk about Wade in Cleveland. Oh, like it didn't happen? Yeah. It's crazy that people Photoshop that. It's just it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty disgusting. All right, Justin, I know we got to let you go. Last thing I wanted to talk about real quick. So, and I've said this on the pod a lot, you know, Miami, you know, we're not – playing for a title i don't think you know unless a bunch of crazy shit happens right I, I i don't think i don't see that happening i just want them to win a playoff series you know what i mean like i want a good old-fashioned first round win and, and be a pain in the ass to somebody in the second round yep. and you know they're two calves goals this year too like that's that's our prediction or, or that's what we're hoping for on the pod and that's fine right like that's for a lot of teams listen sacramento kings they don't even care if they win a playoff series they're just happy to be here you know what i mean so <laughs> It's not like I think fans like overreact to that, but regardless, so that's kind of like one thing. And and obviously they're they're most likely first round opponents. I, I just think they're going to finish above New York. They played the Knicks three more times. They're just better than the Knicks. I just don't. That was a Agreed. weird. That was a, yeah. So I, I'm just penciling them in at six, possibly five, depending on what happens with Brooklyn. Obviously, 
you know, they have, they're very talented, but you know, we got, we got to see how that, that works out. So Cleveland or, or Philadelphia are, are the two likely matchups. Giannis's hand injury kind of makes things different because they could drop. Cleveland could move up. So I, I but I still think that Philly Cleveland are, are the two likely matchups for them. And I got to be honest, Justin, I would not pick the heat in a key cap series. I wouldn't. I think Cleveland's really good. I think they can hurt Miami at point of attack where they're weak, particularly like kind of how fast they can be with Garland and, and Mitchell and just they can maul you with size that Miami doesn't have. And we saw that game. I, I think if they replay that game in Cleveland five times, Cleveland probably wins. Uh, you know, they're a tough team. I'm just going to say like they have a puncher's chance and we saw them go into that building. We saw how Jimmy can kind of pick on small guys. I think what you talked about when you talked about like, okay, well guys just don't come and like hunt a like mismatch every time in the playoffs. That's what Jimmy, Jimmy's one of the few wings I think that can do that. And I think we overrate like Trey young fucking skated a whole playoffs, a whole, even against the bucks just skated and never really got targeted. When he played Miami, it was, Jimmy Butler is not going to do that. No, and, like, and Jimmy, because it's the kind of wing. It's like Kawhi, it's LeBron, it's Jimmy. And like, that's kind of the list because Tatum doesn't even hunt you like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like if I'm doing a Heat podcast and I'm picking between those teams, I'm picking Cleveland. Right? I'm picking like, Philly personally. I think I like that matchup. Yeah, because you got hate in your heart too, right? Like that's, guts, bro. yeah, see, see just be honest. Be honest about what it is. Don't, I hate the them, bro. I hate them so the much. The audience knows you. They know what this is. No, but <laughs> at, at the same time, like if you're just removing all emotion from it, you're going to pick the team with the least amount of experience. Yeah. Jaron Allen is 24 years old and he's a vet. Like uh, Darius <laughs> Rowland just turned 23. Uh, Coral's 22. Mobley's going to turn 22 soon, right? Like uh, Donovan Mitchell's. <laughs> Like, they're young. That's why I'm okay with, like, winning a series and being pesky in the second round as a goal because you don't win in the NBA without experience, right? Or at the very least, you're going to have more hiccups when you're inexperienced, right? So uh, from my perspective, I would rather see a team like New York, like Brooklyn. Um, If you made me predict how the standings are going to play out, I actually think it's probably going to be Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, Philly, a bit of a spicy take because Philly has the toughest. Philly Philly has the toughest schedule. I think Boston's got a relatively kind of difficult one. And Um, it's not the picture of health. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. So, like, I, I just, I, I think that's probably going to be how it plays out. And I would expect Miami to be in that four or five. So, I, I think you might get your wish with Philly. But if you're talking about like from a morale standpoint from a cast perspective like i would love to get the knicks in the first round and you know you take care of them five six games whatever the case may be four i uh you know it's gonna be an <laughs> annoying game dude 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 we lost we lost a, a game where mitchell got fouled at the end of the game didn't get called but we lost because julius randall went eight of 12 from three like you know like weird stuff happens. where was that the three-point contest bro that was so funny it, oh buddy that let me tell hilarious. you let me tell you because Cavs fans were, were going off like well if you leave him open he's going to hit the shots and i'm like well no it's like it's a late contest <laughs> Julius <laughs> randall he was shooting 33 percent. you can leave him open you can yeah you you can leave him open so like weird stuff happens so i'll say five but if you're talking about what would make Cavs fans actually feel like more confident going into next year a hard-fought series against Miami, beating 
Eric Spolster, who I believe to be the best coach in the NBA right now, right? Like the, the number of adjustments you are going to have to make in a series against Miami, that's something that you can hang your hat on as a young team, right? So, but from your perspective, absolutely. Like pick the Cavs. I'm not going to be offended by that because I, I know this, like this is what it is. This is what the NBA used to be, right? Like young teams go to the playoffs. They take some lumps. It's a process that takes multiple years. Like I, as much as there is still a lot of player movement, there's a lot of kind of organic growth again in the NBA. And I was we, literally thinking that the other day, Justin. We we used to we used to celebrate that, right? Like we we romanticize Michael Jordan spending seven years trying to get over the hump and look eventually the, look at the teams in the East. And Detroit eventually got old enough for him to beat them and then like went on his own run, right? Like that's what it used to be. Boston, they started their run against the damn Cavs with LeBron on, and they finally go over the hump last year. Like this is why Kyrie Irving's been on four teams since. (laughs) Exactly, right? Like it's that's the way that this thing used to go. And I I think people just they they just rush they rush the process they rush their expectations um we've the sports debate culture has turned winning and losing into a genetic trait or a character trait so uh oh my god if my team loses i can't say well we just like they need to have some internal growth in this area and they can work on this on the off season no it has to be no help coach sucks this person sucks this like this guy's a loser we got to get rid of him like no that's that's not the way the nba works so uh, I would love a series against Miami. It would stress me the hell out. I would pick Brooklyn or New York over them. But, like, man, be- beating Miami, that-, that would be a real feather in their cap. I love that you say that. And, I- and I'm glad that you mentioned that about the internal growth because I was thinking about that with the Warriors, how, you know, this might be it for, for that team that, that kind of came together like that. And I thought, well, Boston's kind of really grown together over a really long time. Milwaukee as well, right, Like that Giannis Middleton build. The Sixers, right? The, this Embiid, whatever. I mean, they've had different variations, but like this Embiid Sixer thing, and and obviously Miami's in year four of Jimmy, and, and Cleveland's kind of started something. So I don't know. I just I, I think it's a fun matchup, and I think it's a likely one, um, at least one of the two more likely ones uh, that that we're gonna get. Uh, Justin, man, thank you so much for coming on. For tell our see, chat liked you. Cardiana says I like this guy. You know, people, Here we go. People Thank Justin. you. You know, Justin's a reasonable guy. Thank you for coming on, for talking Kevin Love. I know that's your boy. Uh, Justin, where I want people, where can they find you? What What are you doing? Where, what are you and Carter doing so that they can go listen to you guys and learn about other teams or, or listen to you guys when the Heat play you guys? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cavs Canada. Just slap Cavs in Canada and you'll find me there. <laughs> I apologize for everything you find after that. It, I suck. I'm <laughs> awful. Um, uh, you can find the Chase Down podcast wherever you get your podcast, wherever the hell you were listening to this podcast. You can find us there. You can also find us live on the Cavs YouTube channel. Uh, the Cavs? The official Cleveland Cavs? Those Cleveland Cavaliers. The team? The, uh, 2025 NBA champion Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, <laughs> you can find us on, on there. And in fact, I'll be going live in about 20 minutes. So uh, I need to uh, hydrate a little bit and uh, get ready for that. But thank you so much for having me, man. I Justin, really appreciate it. You are the best. Carter, shout out if you're still in chat. You guys are awesome. Justin made a, a lot of time for us today on, on short notice. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Well, no, actually, we won't see you tomorrow. Our next broadcast, we're off uh, until Friday. We get hangover time. Uh, hangover time returns. Friday edition, Alf and Kenny have a bet. Want to tune to that. Pre-gaming. 30 minutes before tip-off against Heat Bucks. Kevin Love's debut and Cody Zeller's debut. So exciting stuff. These two white guys are going to light it up in Milwaukee. (laughs) Cream City, baby. Uh, We'll see you guys 
on Friday for coverage uh, pre and post. Love you guys. Take care.